Costs to originate keep rising, even with more technology in the industry. The problem is the core platform. A new LOS can re-architect the process around data, not humans moving paper files. Vesta has built this LOS, and you can learn more at Vesta.com. Pulled from the hottest topics coming across our news desk, I'm Victoria Jones, and this is Housing Wire Daily. In today's episode, we're sharing a real trending interview that features Tom Ferry, founder of Ferry International. In this episode, he'll boil down the top things brokers need to do today to increase per-agent productivity and why he thinks some brokerages have rocket ship growth and how to manage teams. But before we listen, here's a brief word from our sponsor. As a top 10 subservicer with a 98% customer satisfaction rate, TMS does business a different way, and it does it well. They deliver next-level service with next-level technology innovations, like Simi, their servicing portal that can help make a lender's job a breeze. So when you're ready to have the service put back into your subservicing, go to subservicing.themoneysource.com. This is Tracy Velt, Managing Editor for Realtrends. Today, you'll be listening to an exclusive interview with Tom Ferry, real estate coach, speaker, and founder and CEO of Ferry International in Dallas. He's also a partner with Realtrends for the 1,000 and America's Best Real Estate Agent Rankings. Known for his positive, motivational, and strategic coaching, Tom continues to inspire both agents and brokers alike through his videos, speaking engagements, and coaching calls. So welcome, Tom. Thanks, Tracy. Can I... Can I just say, I appreciate it and I hate the positive part. I get so much flack from people for being positive. I I think I should just become negative and just see what happens. (laughs) No, that would not be good at all. (laughs) That's what, that's what we like about you. Positive, good energy. I know, but yeah, but I do, you know, some people are like, he's just obnoxious. And, you know, so just, if you're watching right now and you think I'm obnoxious, I just want to say, thanks for watching. (laughs) Well, I really appreciate you joining the podcast today. And I really want to start with agent productivity. So let's talk, you know, you coach a lot of agents on this, but I want to take it from the brokerage perspective. Mm -hmm. And um, in the Realtrends 500 top brokerages, the average per agent productivity by closed sides was 10.5 transactions per agent. But we have of the five most productive firms, their average was about 25 transactions per agent. So in your experience, what do you think makes an agent productive? So the first thing I would say is I would remind everybody that's that's listening, you got to take out your top 10%, your bottom 20%, because that's your real PPP. Um, and then once you see that it's probably more like four or five, I look at that as the tremendous upside. So for context, uh, I'm the business coach for Gino Bafari at Home Services. I work with Matt Rand and the Rand family, I, William Ravis, a bunch of, a bunch of big companies. Um, that I've just been friends with for a long time. And we're always working on how do we raise the bar per person productivity? Like, how do we do that? How do we get better sell through on mortgage title escrow and all the other services? So if I was sitting here right now and my PPP was wherever it is, this is what I know. In every coaching scenario with a manager, with an office, with a region, with a, with a national company, I say the same thing. If you do contests, based around leading indicators, as boring as that sounds, as monotonous as it sounds, every company that I get to do an appointment setting competition, 
productivity goes through the roof, right? It's the, it's the fastest, easiest way to raise the bar. So I don't know, Tracy, if people are looking for like for insight or they're looking for something mystical, I look for the brilliant basics. When you give people an opportunity to perform and you track and you measure and you reward and it's fun and it's exciting and you put up things like this, like, well, it's bananas, let's go. And you actually cheer on activity where the playing field is level versus what we've always done is listing competitions, you know, closing competitions, open escrow competitions, and the best win everything. Now a brand new agent can come in and book 25 or 30 appointments with potential buyers and sellers research already doesn't make a difference or just friends. And they're engaging in positive activity to build their business. Everything about that's a home run. Yeah. So, um, I mean, I think what I've noticed in a lot of interviews is brokers go to their relationships with their agents is the yeah. reason that their productivity is high. What do you say about that? And what are some other kind of suggestions you have for brokers who are really struggling with, um, you know, productivity other than so, obviously. So when you say relationships, I mean, this whole business is relationships, right? That's, you know, the CEO of the company, the management team, the manager of the agents, the agents, the transaction, like you clients, it's all relationships. So what does that mean? Like they lean into them to try and get them to do more through their relationship. Help me understand. Um, so what I found is that there are agents who are extremely involved. Or I mean, I'm sorry, brokers who are extremely involved with their agents on a one-to-one yes. -one basis frequently. And yes. that's what I really mean about relationships. I mean, you can Got have 3,000 agents and still make sure that you're, you're covering relationship one-to-one -one relationships with all of them, whether it's through your managers or through, yeah. um, you know, yeah. coaching or whatever it is. And then there yeah. are brokers who are fairly hands-off come to me only when you need me. Um, sure. and so that's what I'm talking about when I say relationships, obviously the Got whole it. business is built around them, yeah. but yeah. So in that, I mean, listen, when I look at the most successful CEOs and, and broker managers, team leaders that I work with, they all take uh, a much more thoughtful approach to the individual. The challenge though, and you and I both know this and anybody listening knows, once you get beyond 25 or 30 agents in an office or 25 or 30 agents on a team, the question becomes like, how do you scale that? So, so what I say is there's no doubt if you grab your phone and you shot five videos a day, just checking in with whether it's the top 100 agents in your company or the top 10 agents in your company, the people that you, we rarely see now because of the remoteness of our business, um, things like that, no doubt will activate them. And yet I will say just being a coach, as long as I've been a coach at the end of the day, it's about what is going to inspire that individual to get out and do something. And, and there's internal motivation and there's external motivation. Internal is Tracy says, Hey, you know, my, you know, my last child is going to be in college in a couple of years and I want to make more money and save a few more shekels because I want to pay it off and have them not have any student loans as an example. But how do you scale that with 100? How do you scale that with 200 when you're a single manager or even a manager with, you know, two, you know, an assistant manager? It's hard. So the external motivation of creating competitions that drive productivity to me has always been the easier way to scale it. So you know me well enough to know I have a 
giant Rolodex. We have a lot of clients and I'm doing Facebook lives to connect with people. I'm doing Q and A's to connect with people. I'm asking my business coaches, which would be the equivalent of a manager essentially to drive down on productivity, what their goal is, what their why is all that stuff works. The question for the the person listening is how are you going to scale you? Like that's, that's probably the big question that I deal with when I'm talking to other CEOs, Tracy, that are the bigger the organization gets, the less um, connected they feel. And if you only connect with your top eight, 10, 15, or 20, you're also simultaneously alienating everybody else. The number of horror stories I hear from personal clients, hey, I was the number 16 agent in my firm last year. We did, you know, 4,000 agents and the CEO of the company doesn't even know me, knows my name, but doesn't know me at all. That's a problem in our industry. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. Um, so another hot topic that I hear a lot about is like coming soon and pocket listings because of the hot market inventory is low. Um, a lot of properties aren't even making it into the MLS, but of course, um, the National Association of Realtors is banning those types of listings. They did right. that in November, 2019. Yep. Um, but a lot of brokers think that's a disservice to sellers who maybe for COVID reasons or privacy reasons don't want their property in the MLS. So what are you seeing um, with this, with your coaching clients and how, how are they handling it? And what advice do you have for brokers handling these types of listings? Yeah. It is a hot top. It's like politics. It's so divided. Um, I have I have high end brokers that are like, it is not the right that they're just so angry about it. My response is, hey, the rules are the rules. Let's just make sure we pay attention. So, so a lot of companies, what have they done? They've created their own in house strategy, which is legit and legal and all the all the right legalese. Um, I think that approach is right. What I'm seeing a lot of agents do is they're finding they're 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 looking at. Let's just call it the non-market, old expireds, old FISBOs. They've got a buyer. They're they're going direct to them with offers to try and reactivate them. In many cases, Tracy, they're even going to that expired listing through their listing agent from two years ago. Because I don't know about you, but people are watching. Like I'm a big fan of like agent-to-agent relations, broker relations. Right? It's so important today. Um, so so the rule that I just follow is: Hey, follow the rules. If your company has an in-house strategy, take advantage of it. I don't mean that in a bad way. I mean, like mm-hmm. utilize it. And if your company doesn't, the rules are the rules. You just got to follow them. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I've had agents contact us about selling our house and we've never even had it listed. We bought it right. 20 years ago and it's never been on the market after we bought it. So, so sure. yeah, they're definitely going after you know, yes. the buyers who say, oh, I like that house. <laughs> so, right. But again, but it, maybe I misinterpreted the question because I was thinking more from the broker standpoint, like what's the right approach? And the answer no, is I, follow the rules. Yeah. Um, but I will tell you, I'm on this kick right now with all of our clients that, that you know, the obvious, when you look at the data, you know, 7,000 people that we're tracking, you look at where their listings come from. What's interesting is, you know, no doubt, 45 to 55% of the listings are coming from their past clients in Sphere. And, and there's been a bunch of things that we've been implementing with our clients to get them to actually make the phone call, to send the text, to activate them. Because the, the sort of myth of, I can just sit back and wait is just that, it's a myth. Because there's a $16 billion ad spend happening around the US and it's hitting every single one of you. You know it and I know it. And those agents are losing transactions because of their inability to connect. So maybe we can unpack that. Um, But if you go from there, then it's geographic farming. 
is crushing getting listings. It's niche marketing, whether that is old FISBOs, old expireds, or some niche group that you're a part of, that you're socially connected and you become the agent of choice. Online advertising is dominating for listings, obviously. And then from there, the shocker of all shocker, right now, number five amongst our base is circle dialing. Hmm. Tracy, I'm like the video first guy. I'm the marketing message. Become the mayor of your town. Work your database. You know, be on every portal. Do do it all, right? So you're connected. So so everywhere they go, they're like, "There's Tracy." Like that's my basic premise for branding and marketing. And yet, culturally, amongst this young, crazy, tech savvy, ambitious clientele, people are killing it right now with circle dialing. Hi, Tracy. We just sold another house down the street. It, you know, sold with 16 offers and I'm representing one of those buyers. And it's currently, you know, there's just no nice houses. Do you know anybody in the neighborhood who's thinking about selling? And it's working. Yeah. It's nuts. Yeah. I've gotten a couple of those calls too. So I love it. That's good. <laughs> Hopefully it was from one of my clients. <laughs> Hopefully. <laughs> Um, so obviously you speak to hundreds of agents um, a week and I know you hear the good, bad, the bad and the ugly. And yeah, um, yeah. I'm trying to get a little feel for what are you hearing considering brokerage leaders? What are they complaining about, about their, about their broker? What are some mistakes that brokers are making when dealing with their agents and what are some things that they can do better? Loaded question. Oh, yeah. <laughs> like I, you know, this is like confessional, right? So, so. I want to I want to give a disclaimer before I say anything. When I started my company 17 and a half years ago, uh, I looked around at the industry and said, "There's probably eight to ten broker owner CEOs. If I just support them, my business will be great." So I think long before you know, like in my industry, everybody at least in my space, everybody's like agents, 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 agents. I've always been CEO, 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 right? Because we can help each other over decades versus is, you know, maybe a couple of years. Um, and with that said, they asked me the same question. Hey, what's going on with this company? What's going on with that company? What are the agents saying? What's interesting right now is because we've all been displaced in our work environment and forced into the, the digital transformation of how we sell homes, how we operate and sell safely in this environment, knock on wood, you know, we'll get back to some level of normal soon. The complaints I've heard have been dramatically less right? Where when we were in the office, I was constantly hearing, Nancy, my manager really loves Martha and doesn't give me a lot of attention. And I sell two times the amount of houses, which is all emotional. Everyone knows they've all dealt with that. What I would, what I would say is I'd focus more on the things I know that companies I see that are innovating around, right? The number, and I can't, I can't name the company, but I got hired recently to work on a project. And my first question was, what is the promise of your company to the consumer? And, and literally the COO of the company's like, well, you know, we've, we've, we've run some campaigns, but there was no, there was no uh, long-term strategy of who they are to the consumer and how are they going to make the experience of buying and selling with anybody inside of their brand special and unique, like truly creating a, a moat, sort of the you know, Warren Buffett 101 metaphorical example of like, dig a deep moat around your business to protect yourself from your competitors. What I'm starting to see now is agents are going to their owners and managers and saying, hey, look, I've learned some things, but you're a legend in this space, but I don't know what the value is to my customer of being inside this brokerage. Let's articulate it together. Let's figure it out together because I say this, like I'm a flavor. As a business coach, I'm a flavor. 
right? Real trends is a flavor. Now you guys have unbelievable data and you provide all these extraordinary lists, but, but at the end of the day, Tracy, like there's a lot of places we can go for resources. Well, it's the same thing in the brokerage space. So if you look at the, the three or four companies that have had rocket ship growth, what did they do? They told a better story, right? That's all it was. They told a better story. And, and I'm yet to see one of them, maybe outside of, I guess you could say Redfin, that, that has actually told a story that was about the consumer. Now, everyone says, we like puppies. You should buy a house from us. Everyone says, love where you live. Everybody, you know, everybody says that, but I just don't see them going the extra mile. I don't see them running television, YouTube, Facebook, Instagram ads to let consumers know there's a difference between uh, choosing this company that's green versus this one that's black, that this one that's red, this one's blue. Um, and I think that is the concern that a lot of agents have and, and not so much in my ranks, but I see it with some of the top teams where they'll call and say, I'm thinking about leaving my brokerage because I don't know why I'm here. I built up my own brand. And, and by the way, just for the record, as you're listening to this and maybe you're furious at me and I, that's not my intention. I remember sitting with Richard Smith at a coal banker meeting and I was talking to a whole bunch of managers, uh, franchise owners. And I remember saying to them, as they were saying, we're concerned about teams. My, I said, my response to you is, you should go buy 10 to 20% of every one of those teams LLCs, right? And this was like 2016 when I was saying this. Could you imagine if they would have bought 10% of the CEO, this team leaders LLC and actually became their partner? They would have never been recruited away. They would have never left. And I'm not saying, you know, Cole Banker, but everybody knows all these big brands got attacked by some of these new startup crazy companies because they had a better story. Yeah. I talked to all my friends at these big monster companies and say, keep innovating. But maybe instead of innovating just for agents, innovate for the consumer. Yeah. Well, I mean, that's where side real estate was born from. I mean, no that same thing. They're they're putting the agent first, not necessarily the consumer, but the agent first, their brand first, and it's right. just powered by them. So yes. So there are then, it that is the same thing, but different, right? Because mm -hmm. it's right. like it's it, Keller Williams model was like no, no consumer knows who Keller Williams is. I mean, if, you know, they sell a lot of houses and there's a lot of agents out there, but like it's not a brand name like Century 21, like Remax, like Cole Banker, you know, all these other names, but even all of those. And again, like I'm not perfect. I'm just telling you my interpretation of your, the answer to your question. Mm -hmm. We need a better brand promise. Look what Zillow did. Zillow created a better brand promise, right? And they owned the hearts and the minds of the consumers. And I would argue that whether your brokerage is 10 years old or 150 years old, if you tell a better story with your local roots, you will kill it. So how do you do that though? I mean, you know, it's easy to say, tell a better story. How do you decide what that story is? How do you, you know, how do you implement something like that? Well, storytelling, I would argue best in my experience, best in the business would be Mark and Brian over at thousand watt. They've done this, they've done rebrands for so many companies. Um, so whether you hire them or another agency, which other firms that I've worked with have gone out of the industry and hired agencies, it's probably not going to come from an offsite in your company. And it's probably not going to come from an agent mastermind session, right? You need to hire a branding expert who can say, look, my if, if I was a big broker today, I'd say my competition is Open Door, Redfin, 
Zillow and then name every one of the new upstarts that are coming in and right. I name say, this is my competition. They're going to say, what do they do? What do you guys do? That's different, unique. And if the answer is nothing, then you've got to start innovating and creating something. So again, branding is the first part implementation. That's where all the money is. So I remember interviewing on my podcast, um, Spencer Raskoff a couple of years ago when he was still at Zillow and asking him kind of a simple question, like, tell me what you learned in doing all your podcasts and then growing your own business from zero to a couple billion dollars in revenue. And he was like, once you lock in on your values and who you are, you have to hire to it, fire to it, tell the story every time you're in front of your team. When you, when you do something inside the organization, when you kill something inside the organization, you have to say, we're no longer holding up the that's bananas symbol because it goes against value number five, which is we believe this. You know who I saw do that well was Gino Blafari, now CEO of Home Services, when he and his partners launched Intero. Yeah. They, yeah. they created that story, which was um, in a moment in time, perfect for what was happening in the real estate world. And it was about heart and soul and family and connection and these values. And they told that story so many times that people started to believe the story. So yeah. execution, I think, is the easy part. The harder part, probably, Tracy, is, you know, do you hire Mark and Brian? Do you hire another outside agency? Mm-hmm. But I think it's time because you look at what's happening in the world of real estate today, the consumers are moving really fast. And what they expect today, think about this, 81% of consumers select their brand, 81% of consumers select the service or product based upon the video that they watch. And yet most brokerage websites today have no video that says, welcome to Hooby Dooville. This is who we are and this is what we do. And we'd love to help you. Yeah. And yet, and yet that is a massive trend today. And most companies don't have it. Yeah. You were, you were onto that video trend really early. I remember when you first started those yeah. videos and stuff. They're great. So yeah. I, I'm sorry for every one of those early videos. <laughs> they were horrible. <laughs> but they were effective. <laughs> you do anything, you know, what do they say? Like, you know, 10,000 hours to mastery when you've, when you've got, I don't know, three, 4,000 videos just on YouTube and God knows how many every place else. Yes. Thank you. Yeah. So I want to talk about trends. Um, I'm sure that through your coaching, you spot a lot of trends before other people do because you're seeing what, you know, market trends are happening. You're seeing what people in the business are happening. So what can brokerage owners do now to leverage some of those upcoming trends and what are some of them? You know, it's interesting. Um, I think one of the most important trends today in the brokerage business is to embrace teams and figure out how you're going to get greater penetration and sell through for all of your services, which is where all your real money is. Mm-hmm. And, and what I see is a massive divide there. I see a lot of brokerages getting upset at these teams because they're becoming these little kingdoms inside of their brokerage. And instead of saying, wait a minute, I'm Attila the Hun. I need lots of warlords to help me go win this consumer battle. I want to support Martha and Larry and Jerry and Harry and you know whoever else with an airy name and get them to be as productive as possible to align with them on a partnership level, which means recognizing that their commission splits are going to be lower, right? To the broker, provided we get all the other services. And I know there's RESPA and all that stuff. And I I get it. I get it. I get it. I get it. Mm-hmm. You know, so if you're a RESPA attorney, you know, sorry. But like, that's the game today. All the money is in mortgage, title, escrow, et cetera. So how do we align with them? Because 
one of the trends that we're seeing, not just amongst our base, but everywhere is teams are starting to realize they can just go independent. Mm-hmm. That's a threat. I mean, if, if I think of a client that called me and I talked her out of going independent and convinced her to basically go back, basically told her you have this, you have the smokiest deal on the planet inside mm-hmm. of your company, like your commission split, your space, your rent, like you're stupid for leaving. Mm-hmm. You with me? Like that was a very real conversation that I've had with this gal. And, and here's the thing. If 25% of your business walks out the door on a Tuesday, that hurts. Now, it might be exactly what you need to jumpstart your recruiting efforts and all that stuff, but I don't like making decisions like that. I don't like having to get motivated out of massive amounts of pain. So I would say that's probably the first one. Um, the second one, permission to speak like super freely. Sure. Okay. So if I was your coach, I would set an intention that we're going to control 25 to 30% of every transaction through the brokerage first and foremost. So whether that was new development or online lead generation, or I'd be buying mortgage capture, mortgage qualified leads and nurturing them. I'd be doing targeted Facebook ads for the next 18 months before all of that is gone, Tracy. We should talk about that as well because everything we know about privacy, Facebook, Instagram, Google, all that stuff is all going to go away. I would be tripling down on my efforts to to basically be the lead generator, the portal of business for my brokerage. And every CEO that I've had do that, they just become wildly successful. Like, you know, the EBITDA is just so much greater. So that would be a major focus of mine. And and again, whether you're charging 42% for relocation or 35% referral fees would seem to be the new norm. I would argue for a 25% referral fee as long as you can budget out cost of acquisition of lead, cost of nurturing the lead, people, resources, et cetera. Um, But there's just something very powerful about controlling 25 or 30% of all the transactions through your business versus hoping and praying somebody sells the house. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. And you know, you were talking about core services. Um, how how do you increase those conversion rates? Because I know that's a struggle for a lot of brokers is to get yeah. the agents to use those services. So uh, I'm trying to think of the the television show that was so hot on Netflix with the, pol- it was all the politician stuff. And I remember watching, this is like the worst example ever, but here's the thing. I'd have a wall up like this with all of the people that are already love me and would use me for anything that I offered. Here's our new CRM. They're like, we love you, Tracy. Yeah. We're in, right? So you got that group and it's maybe maybe it's 20% of your, your agent base. Then I would look and say, okay, who are the people that it doesn't matter what I say, they're never going to use me because there's that group too. And I identify them. And then I say, now the movable middle now, what do I know about these group? Like, if I can get Martha to do something, Martha is the pack leader of six more agents. So what do I have to do to win over Martha? What is the relationship strategy that that loan officer, that title rep, that escrow officer, whatever it may be, what's going to be that concentrated effort to win them over? Rest but friendly. You got to do it all the right way. So like, I, I want to be very clear. Like, mm-hmm. you know, you can't just like go pay her money or can't shower her with gifts anymore. It's not the old days. Can't take them to Laker games and right. all that stuff. So, so what does it mean? Can we meet for coffee? Can I sit down and just ask you 15 or 20 questions to figure out who you are, what you're all about, what makes you tick, what's important to you when it comes to mortgage, title, escrow, what do you need? It's hand-to-hand combat on the people that are most likely. This is what I do with every one of my CEOs. Every time I'm talking, they're like, okay, we're launching the mortgage company. Okay, 
it was easy, right? Over the last, call it like six months, let's do a friends and family refi campaign, right? Easy. Everybody wanted to do it. You shot a video of yourself, you know, on the computers, you know, putting together your app and getting your own refi. And then you send it out to the agent base, right? Mm-hmm. Dependent upon your management structure, you can have managers financially incentivized. That certainly helps. But I think the first thing is that targeted list, right? And that could be by office, could be by region, right? Inside your entire company. Because the movable middle in real estate is where all the money is. Getting them to all take one more listing this year than they had last year, getting them to all do two more escrows, getting them all to use mortgage title and escrow in the services, that's where you kill it. But it's got to be targeted and it's got to be a relationship and it's got to be hand-to-hand combat. And then you got to deliver on your promises because at the end of the day, that's all this is, right? Think about, think about like mortgage. It's such a commodity. It's only a relationship. Can you close on time? Will you make me look like a star, right? Will you deliver? That's it. If you do like rates and points and all that stuff, that it becomes pretty easy. Does that make yeah. sense? Yeah, definitely. So you pretty much answered all my questions, but are, is there anything very specific that brokers should focus on right now to stay ahead of the curve coming out of the pandemic? Because I think we are coming out of it. Yes. Yeah. I, I mean, I'm here in Dallas and and things feel more and more normal kind of every day. There was like 35,000 people, something like that at a baseball game like last week, which yeah. I, I know for a lot of my friends are just like, <gasps> super spreader event. I'm like, Oh, you know, I, I don't, I, I try not to get involved. I'm like, the, the world's going to keep yeah. rolling along. Yeah. Um, I would actually say a couple of things. Uh, I think about just, you know, many of the, the, you know, women and men that I'm blessed to work with. Um, I'm going to go more tactical for a second. Okay. Probably time to clean up the office, mm-hmm. right? Get things freshened up. Definitely time for a springtime, summertime competition around activity. Uh, cleaning up the office is probably the, the biggest priority. Getting getting everything freshened up as people are starting to come back into the workforce. I think that's important. Paint, all that kind of stuff. Um, doing some kind of competition is going to get everybody right back in the game. And that's super important right now because of inventory levels still being at you know, historic lows and interest rates really also being very low. So getting people activated around something fun. Um, I would actually go even more tactical. I would argue today, if I was doing a sales meeting on Zoom or face-to-face, I would get every agent to build a Google business page today. Mm-hmm. And the reason why is, since Google still is the most important search on the planet and YouTube is number two, most of them are not going to shoot video and do high quality content like that. But if they Google, if somebody Googles them and they don't see a business page, they're, what they're going to see is more ads. So Google business page, number two is absolutely as a company, you should create a competition around Google reviews. For years, I was an advocate of Zillow reviews, Yelp reviews, and any other kind of review because we, we live in a review-based culture, right? Tracy, you can tell me you're number one all day long, but when somebody else validates that you're number one and that person's remotely like me, I'm like, well, you know, Sarah said so, so Tracy's number one. That, that way that consumers are deciding is so important and most people, all their reviews are sitting on Zillow. So I would say, have a massive over-index competition in your organization about reviews on your Google business page. That'd be number two. Number three, I would strongly consider as a company that you need to be putting out four original video pieces of content every single week as a company. So whether that is the CEO sitting down and saying, hey, welcome to Banana Real Estate. This week in housing here in Hoobie-Dooville, blah, 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 blah. 
you or you know you or someone you appoint in the organization really becoming the face of the business, right? That you should have a show where you are educating agents on best practices. That's really good for retention. It's also really good for recruiting. Very good for recruiting. Number three, I think you should be doing something around leadership lessons where you interview other managers of other companies, not real estate, other industries. And now all of a sudden what's happening is you're cultivating future management talent through content. It's so important. And then I would say number four, you should do a Q&A show every week and it should be fun and interesting that consumers are asking questions and you know you get to an answer. What was the cheapest house you ever sold and how did you sell it, right? You know, what was the strangest house you ever sold? Whatever it is, this, this opportunity for consumers, they, they are dying for engagement. No one watches television without this device. And when you look at how, how, whether it is, you know, America's Got Talent or any one of these shows, the second they let us get involved and connect, we all jump on our phones and we engage. So I would say those four shows, and then of course you would split it up and it'd be on Facebook, Instagram, YouTube, LinkedIn, da, 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 everywhere. But it's the recognition that with a $16 billion ad spend that you're never going to compete with ever, you better dig a really deep moat around your business and start to, to think about how your brand could become the brand in your town and you win through the combination of Google, right? More reviews at scale, right? Ideally, can you imagine if they were all just on one page, oh, the company page, yeah. tens of thousands of reviews. The, the impact that would have on SEO and search would be bonkers and the validation, all of the content, you should have your own company-wide email marketing campaign where you take over email marketing for the entire organization. Every agent that joins, other companies have done this at scale. Big shout out to John L. Scott, Lennox Scott. They did it, absolutely works. I would look strongly at a direct mail campaign because direct mail is crushing right now, not just during the pandemic, but always and forever. All you have to do is look at the most successful agents on the planet, not the ones that are buying leads at massive scale, but the, the everyday rock stars that are selling lots of homes, direct mails at the cornerstone of all of their success. Um, I'd say the last one would be get your people to make more phone calls, but that one might be a stretch. The first five <laughs> you could absolutely do. The sixth one I know is hard, but that's why you do competition. So Tracy, that's the kind of stuff like if I could wave a magic wand, if every crazy busy, uber successful, thank you even for listening to this, knowing your schedule, I get it. Look at that list and ask yourself, what could we do? And if you just yeah. pick one or two and add it into your OKRs or your EOS or whatever, you know, four disciplines, whatever your management methodology is, you get that in and you get it going by the third quarter, by the third quarter of 2022, I promise you, you will be really happy you did. Yeah. Well, Tom, thank you so much for joining the Real Trending Podcast. You always give me such great ideas and have some great advice. So um, I love talking to you. We don't do it enough. So thanks. Well, Thank you, Tracy. I appreciate it. And for everybody out there, out there watching, thank you so much for your time. And I wish you and your family and all of your, all of your agents and management team health, resiliency, and let's keep moving forward powerfully. See you guys soon. Now more than ever, the housing industry is looking to its leaders for answers. That's why each week, the Housing News Podcast invites a new mortgage, fintech, a real estate executive to the show to provide its listeners with more perspective on the announcements and news stories crossing HousingWire's news desk. 
Hosted by Sarah Wheeler and produced by Elsina Lloyd, the Housing News Podcast is now available on iTunes, Spotify, Apple, Google Podcasts, and more. That's a wrap for today's episode of Housing Wire Daily. Remember to subscribe, rate, and review on Apple Podcasts, and join us again tomorrow.